0: And welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the team that can still give us a little bit of hope every now and again I am Laurie Dunsire, sitting in my living room in Musselboro. Mark Donaldson joins me. Um he is not sitting in his living room.
1: I'm in um I'm in a shed in Port Seton. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm in Houston. I'm in the Minute Maid Park ahead of Game Two of the World Series baseball. So there will be a fair bit of background noise. I've had to move to get rid of um, Pedro and Pablo, and the two radio <laughs> guys from from uh, Mexico, who were making a, a lot of noise. So there will be a fair bit of background noise. But the gates haven't opened yet, so hopefully we're, we're we're good to go and talk a fair bit of hearts for the next half hour or so.
0: I I appreciate the dedication that you are dialing in as such to to talk hearts um, despite the fact that you are at a baseball game with all that going on around you
1: because i wanted to gloat because i told you we'd take something uh, dangerous. I, yeah. I, I told you i had, I had no reason <laughs> for that prediction but i just had a feeling and yeah we we, we did so better it, it was better the
0: weekend. Yes, and we will talk about Heart of Midlothian against Rangers, uh, which of course was Hearts' last game on Sunday just past. Um, we will talk about your significant numbers when it comes to Hearts and football, which was the homework question from last week. And we'll look ahead to Hearts' next game as they return to the scene of the horrendous, horrendous scenes from last Season. Uh, of course, that's the Tony Macaroni Arena when they take Livingston on this coming Saturday. So, first up, Hearts played Rangers at Tyncastle on Sunday, a Rangers side that went into the weekend as the league leaders. They were knocked off their perch by Celtic on Saturday, but most of the, I guess, onlookers, the bookmakers, were expecting them to return to to pull position outright when they took on out-of-form Hearts in Gorgie. Um, Hearts were priced up as 9-1, to one, as long as 9-1 to one in a home league game, which I thought was pretty incredible, but maybe not surprising given the recent form. Um, Having a look at the team, I guess not maybe a whole lot of surprise apart from the fact that we maybe expected to see at least Peter Haring return but he did not but Uche Piezu returned so Hearts went with Pereira and goals Hickey moved to right back with uh, AD White back into the team at left back, Michael Smith slotting into the centre alongside and um, the slightly deeper midfielders Whelan and Bozanic coming in for his first league start of the season Sean Clare, Riotaro Mesino and Jake Mulroney supporting Uche Piezu with Meshino kind of taking up maybe more of a 10-roll throughout the game. And um, we'll talk about a few things about this game, Mark, but I guess the first thing which, was, which took a lot of us, I think, by surprise was the fact that Hearts started absolutely incredibly with an almighty tempo, um, pressing, fast-paced, uh, won a corner in 20 seconds, hit the bar after 90 seconds. And when they got the goal after six minutes, I said to Jimmy during commentary, It was actually, it was coming.
1: There was actually an annoyance once the dust settled in in this game. And that, wait a minute, why can we get ourselves up for games against Rangers and Hibs and Aberdeen and and Motherwell, yet performed so pathetically in in other games? So it's like the bar is raised for then, and then the standard is not kind of kept um, for other games. I remember last season speaking about slow starts. And there were too many of them. It was a great start, and they could easily have been one up early on before we eventually got the goal. And a lot of friends of mine are Rangers fans, and they said Uche absolutely battered their defence. They didn't yeah. have an answer for them. And they, they they just said, one of them said to me, why don't our hearts play like this every week? And, and, and there's the issue. If everyone else can see it, the bar has been set. And depending on what happens at Livingston now, I mean, we don't want to piss on our parade right at the start. There's plenty more time left for that. But we've got one winner out of nine. But that was better. That, that showed us something. But it's a bar that's now been set to a particular level. We can't fall below that again.
0: And I think it's, it's something I actually spoke about with a few people after the game. One thing about that sort of match at Tynecastle is it's maybe easier for the players to get up for it because... It was a a big crowd, maybe not as big as you would hope for a Rangers game, given that we have a 20,000 capacity now. But over 17,000, a a full away end, a a vociferous, a rowdy away end. The home fans kind of naturally respond to that, even if they have been feeling negative recently. In a game against Celtic or Rangers at Tyne Castle, you can feel the atmosphere increased even from the start. Um, Was that a cat that's jumped
1: out a window, or what was that?
0: Um... I don't know what's going on. There's something going on with cats. Really? Um, oh, I, I think a cat has taken a mouse in. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like think a. Here's a, you, <laughs> <here's a, laughs> you thinking the issue is me
1: with a background noise at a baseball game in Houston, and a cat has brought a mouse into our house. Brilliant. Uh,
0: let, let's have a slight commercial break while I deal with this. Okay, um, <laughs> we're back. The mouse has been dealt with. It is out the front door and into the the Musselboro night. Hopefully there'll be no more feline um, interruptions. Two things.
1: Firstly, was the cat unattached or attached to said mouse when it was launched out into the Musselboro night? And two, <laughs> there's an obvious one about pussy problems, but let's not go
0: there. <laughs> let's not. This is a family show. I know a pussy cat. Sometimes um, the mouse was f- was free. It was still alive. It was not in a cat's mouth at the time. So for now, he's still fighting, little little Jerry. Still going. Um, but yes, I'm sure I will see him again at some point. Given uh, the reputation of our two cats.
1: Okay, this this deserves more airtime. Uh, your your cat's a nice cat. Then you clearly don't have a killer cat. If he you just wanted a, a a friend to play with
0: then. Um well, yes, them sometimes they keep them alive in one piece, sometimes they're almost dead, sometimes they're not in one piece at all. Oh. It's it seems to depend on the mood. Um sometimes it's not mice, so yeah, we we get them all. I've I've had to unfortunately I've had to put uh, more than a few um little creatures out of their misery in the past year.
1: Well, I'm sure you do it more humanely than we do it, because in the, the and obviously I'm in Houston now, so it's a little bit warmer down here in Texas than it normally is in, in Connecticut, but we're starting to get to the time of year, it's getting a wee bit, a wee bit chilly, um, so the mice are starting to look for uh, places that they can go inside to keep warm, so being the bastard that I am, I've got a mouse trap and I put peanut butter in it, and it kills a little shit. So we, we, we kill a lot of those. So that is rather inhumane, and apologies to those who, have, who love mice. But uh, they have to be dealt with because they are rodents. They don't have uh, stomachs. So when they run, they, they piss as they go, and they urinate. And unfortunately, the house stinks, so we need to kill them. And we do so with peanut butter, which is a little bit more inhumane than your cat who plays with Jerry. Um, this is Scarves Around the Funnel
0: we we are we yes sorry football hearts that sort of thing um uh, <laughs> we we were talking about so yes a, a game like rangers at home sometimes um you know it's maybe not down to the manager to to necessarily get the team um g'd up for it the the, the game does that for you the atmosphere does that for you so a game like that a game like the Edinburgh derby recently and even to an extent I suppose the the league cup game against Aberdeen some of these games the players will naturally be up for it just because the the atmosphere lends itself to that approach. Certainly this weekend will be a big test. It's not going to be that same type of atmosphere. So that type of game and especially I think more so the like the, the game recently at home where we were just flat from start to finish. So still some issues but I think credit where it's due you know we started this game superbly um we deserved to go in front, I felt. Um, lovely finish. to be. It's almost a disaster for James Tavernier in the build-up. Um, McGregor with a decent save, first of all. But really cool finish from Riottoro Meschino, I thought. Just to take on the volley on his weaker foot and take over the keeper like that, I thought he did well.
1: It was a really good finish. It's just, um, it's just instinct, isn't it? Uh, but Tavernier, I really like Tavernier going forward, but my God, he's a bomb scare yeah. at the back.
0: Um, I mean, well, even going wanted... even going forward, his crossing was abysmal on Sunday.
1: Yeah, but 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 it's normally pretty good. I've seen him yeah. before. I mean, that. Yeah. He, d- he just had an off day. I always wondered if he would make a better wing back or a better right midfielder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he's he, he can't defend, and he gets away with that a lot of the time at Ibrox because they're pushing forward a lot, and they, they don't have to do that much defending in the games against the lesser teams. Um, but when he is asked to defend, uh, he, he he struggles. Speaking of, of defending. Um, isn't it great to see the the Uche we we thought we'd signed um, return oh, to nice. that kind of form? I mean, he's he's he's, he's back to Mark De Vries, uh kind of handful of opposition defence. You can just imagine the defenders going home in the bus after the game. Then Jesus, thankfully, oh. I don't have to see him for a while, I and mean, it's okay. So yeah, you do. You've got him in the semi-final.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was one of my notes to speak about. I mean, you know, we've he's been criticised. Um, you know. By quite a few parties, us included, and I think, you know, rightly so. Uh, however, he was absolutely brilliant on Sunday. And Nikola Katic, a player who Rangers, you know, paid a decent sum for, has been capped by Croatia, you know, quite well thought of. He's six foot four. I actually use the term ragdolled during commentary because Uce just made him look like he was made out of feathers. Um, and that's what we want from him. We've said it before, you know, he's. He is a big guy, so naturally people are going to struggle with him physically, but he's not always used it very intelligently. He's been clumsy about it, or he's used his hands, made it obvious, or he's got into battles when he didn't need to. But I thought he was, especially the first half, he was brilliant, You know, just using his body in a smart way, not drawing the fouls. I actually thought, for a change, he actually got away with a couple. Uh, on Sunday, which he doesn't usually get, which is nice to see because I always feel he gets a raw deal. But yeah, he was just brilliant. And, uh, you know, Katic will come up against, you know, some very good strikers. Um, and he has done for Rangers, you know, in Europe and, you know, in Scotland, especially you know, coming up against Celtic. But I don't think you will have such a hard day as that.
1: Yeah, and he needs service as well. And he needs a a referee that's not going to penalise them for, for what he does. It's the same with any big guy um, in, in football, whoever he is, because it just looks with, with strength. I mean, to an extent, it's the same in the NFL. The big boys can be seen as bully boys because they're so big and so strong. It just they, they can knock people over a lot easier. Um, but Rangers got some rugged players as well. I just thought it was, it was great to, to see him back to the way he was. One thing I'd like to ask, being in mind, I'm not, I don't have an agenda, but I I saw a chunk of the Rangers game. I'm not going to be in a position to to comment, having not seen the the full 90 minutes as I was working. Um, What would your unbiased opinion be of the performance of Sean Clare this weekend? Because I saw a lot of really good stuff written about him, but I also saw those that say, were you watching the same game? That could easily be people who have got this opinion about him and they're not going to change it. So if you're able to give an unbiased opinion of his performance, what would you say? Much
0: better. Much better. Much okay. better. Um, I thought in the first half especially, I thought he looked really up for it, linked well, he dug in, You know, I mean, he set the tone early on, put a really good cross for Uche. Um I, I think the second half, maybe like the whole Hearts team, um, the tempo dropped a bit and he maybe faded a little. Um, I, I think he still worked hard. I thought it was one of his better games, it, maybe his best for Hearts. Um I think it helped with the players he had around him. I think it helped with being in a more advanced position. So he had Whelan and Bozanich who were happy to do most of maybe the, I don't just want to say donkey work, because Glenn Whelan especially is a very good footballer, but they did a lot of the midfield workhorse type role. And Sean Clare was expected to do a bit more of the creating, um, and I thought he did that well at times. And he had the likes of Meschino. And uh, Mulraney had a pretty quiet game by his standards as well. I thought Meschino was good. So I think it was much better from him. Um, it's one game. Uh, so mm-hmm. similar to when we talk about the manager or the team as a whole, we're not going to go overboard. You need, we need to see it more consistently. And we need to see it um, in games where maybe where there's more imp- there's more impetus and hearts to to create something and be the driving force in the game. But it was much better from him. I thought... He he got on the park well, he linked up well with the likes of Meshino and um Uchi, and it's maybe partly how Uchi looked a bit more effective because Claire and uh, and Meshi, as they like to call him over in Japan, um actually were close to him and, and linking up because often he's he can be a bit of a kind of um a bit of a, a solitary figure up there. Um, and he needs support because he's not going to run off the shoulder or anything. He's going to try and hold the ball up, and he needs people to play with him. So I think it was much better from Sean claire You know, get credit where it's due, and we, we know he's come out um, this week and you know, talked about problems he's had. Um, but he needs to do more of that, basically, and, and hopefully he can carry it into the next game. But what we want to see from him and the team as a whole is consistency yeah. now.
1: I want to see that from everybody you mentioned right at the start, and I think you were spot on. Rangers games at home, Celtic games at home, Hibs games home and away. Take care of themselves. You don't need much of a builder. You don't need someone to tell you, come on, you need to give a 100% today. Livingston away. Obviously, you spoke about what happened um, in the 5-0 and everything like that. That is when we can really judge um, everybody, not just Sean Clare, everybody in the team. I thought it was uh, the team selection was interesting because he did say, Craig Levine, that... Um, with people coming back and with changes to be made, uh, his, his team selection going forward would give an indication of, of who he trusts. Well, it's pretty clear who he trusts and, and uh, who he doesn't. And with Haring, who we'd hope to be back, but he's not, may be available for Livingston. And Naismith, I don't know the update. Um, there's not much about Stephen Naismith in the local papers here in Houston when the World Series is on. Obviously, he's a big star um, when there's no baseball on. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be available uh, this weekend for Livingston, but the, the, these are the type of games that that, that are our bread and butter, uh, not the Rangers games and and going back to one winner out of nine that needs to be two out of ten this weekend or we'll have a, another um, critique next weekend or next week about the, the, the problems at Livy, so the bar has been set, as I've said, time to, to get an even higher standard moving forward
0: Still in the Rangers game I thought it would be important to cover another few points and um, one of them is a point that I've made and and many have made time and time again. Um, But I don't mind banging this drum this often because I think it's worth doing. And that's Michael Smith, who uh, was back into centre-back, one of his many positions that he plays uh, very well. And I thought he was immense, man of the match, um, just... MVP? Yes. And by far, by far in that heart team. I think he's hearts. You know, last season... You would have said he was one of Hart's best performers, but you probably would have said Stephen Naismith, excuse me, is Hart's most important player still. I think Michael Smith has taken that mantle now. I mean, he is just so reliable. And throughout the game, um, he just mopped everything up. He read the game so well. It nipped in front of players, took the ball away. He keeps his head as well. He doesn't panic. And it's interesting because I thought Christoph Berra had a really good game as well. And he's obviously had his critics... Uh, rightly so um last half of last season and uh, this season so far but i thought the two of them looked really really good together and you know it reminded me of um the kind of really old fashioned basic way that people would sometimes set up two center backs which is you have one guy who attacks the ball and the other guy who plays a sweeper and mops things up and it worked really well because you know better He's not the fastest. We know he's not that great with the ball at his feet, but he's brilliant in the air. He can judge the long ball superbly. He attacks it really well. Michael Smith is actually good in the air as well, but his main strengths are his reading of the game. He's actually pretty good with the ball at his feet. And he's got a decent bit of pace for someone playing at centre-back. And I thought that kind of combination worked really well. You know, it's very simple. It's like, it's like talking about the big man, little man up front. You, know, you attack the ball, I'll cover it. You, you go, I'll stay type of thing. But it worked so well throughout, and it and it was testament to the game that, I mean, we drew 1-1. Rangers got one shot on target and they scored it throughout that entire match. Mm. And I think mm. a large, a big reason for that was Michael Smith and Christoph Berra.
1: You think Michael Smith's a better centre-back than on the right <laughs> side?
0: It's very unfortunate that there's, despite the fact we've got former international and club captain Christoph Berra, we've got current international and very talented um, prospect, John Suter, and one of the best defenders in the league last season and one of our best players this season, Craig Halkett, there's still an argument to say that Michael Smith's our best centre-back. Um, he's possibly our best right-back and centre-back, and unfortunately, we've only got one of him. So if, if, if we can find a way to clone Michael Smith, then maybe maybe our team will improve. <laughs> Do
1: you know what what's interesting about this? When everyone's fit, I, 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 I don't think Christoph Berra gets in the team ahead of Halkett and Souter. However, does Michael Smith make Christoph Berra a better player when he plays alongside him?
0: It's interesting you say that um, because the game actually made me think back to December when we played Rangers um, at Tynecastle, it was a very similar game. We lost 2-1. We, we started really well. We went ahead, pegged back, and then Morelos actually got a winner, which was offside before the end of the half. Um, but that was when Berra came back into the team. Um, and that was with Michael Smith. And I thought Berra was immense that game. Michael Smith was also good. So it's maybe one of these things where we've possibly got two central defensive partnerships there. We've got a Suter and yeah, maybe. and a Bera and Smith. Maybe Bera needs needs a Smith next to him.
1: One for Champions League nights and the other for
0: <laughs> League nights. Well, strength and depth if everyone's fit, but you know with hearts, that's that's never the case. Yeah. Um, quick other couple of things. One which, not necessarily negative, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Aaron Hickey had a very poor game, which is going to happen at some point. The kid's only, still only 17 Um, you know, the goal, he gives away the corner stupidly, and then he loses his man for the goal. So you could say he was obviously at fault for that. Um, I thought it was good to see that he did pick his head up, though. He didn't look like he lost confidence. He still wanted the ball, and I thought he recovered reasonably well, although overall you would say it was one of his poorer performances for Hearts. Very interesting to see how he reacts now, though, because... that's a lot for a you know for a kid at 17 you know, to go into that game with all that pressure and all that you know the the usual nonsense in the the press that rangers were trying to sign him which funnily enough always seems to happen just before we play rangers it'll be interesting to see how he reacts i think i'll see a lot about him how he reacts from that
1: i think he'll react well because i think we've seen so far when he's had difficulties how he's reacted and it's been very positive the sending off at aberdeen the little word that Stephen Naismith had as he went off the pitch, the suspension then coming back. And he was good. It's, it's a difficult one now because he's shown how good he can be. But there's, there's clearly going to be off days. We all have them. But he's 17. Um, so it's, it's how he's managed. And I, I, I've got total faith in, in Craig Levine with this one and in, in how to know how a player like that should be managed. I, I wouldn't know because what do you do? Do you, do you keep him in? And his confidence could be affected if He makes a few of those mistakes. You take him out when he probably needs regular first team football because that's what he's used to. Difficult one, but uh, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I think he's our best left back, and you're only going to learn. You're not going to learn from from playing in in reserve games at the Orium or or whatever they're playing them. Um, You can make mistakes in those games, but you can just brush them off. This this is about how you react to that. And I've seen enough so far that would not have me worried about how he would react. Uh, because uh, we've we've seen the bounce back from him already on on at least two or three occasions, so I'm I'm fine I'm fine with him I'm, I'm, I've got no problems there. I just I, w- I wouldn't know as far as fitness is concerned, uh, like being a 17 year old, what would would there be any long term damage if he played the whole season? I don't know I, I don't know, but as far as how he would react, I have no worries about about that if he starts at Livingston.
0: And so ultimately Hearts ended their seven game losing streak against Rangers, but. Craig Levine couldn't quite get that first castle win against the Jers. But overall, a positive afternoon, I think, for a Hearts perspective. Okay, moving on. Last week, because it was show number 51, 5 one, uh, we brought up the subject of significant numbers, Hearts and maybe football-related numbers. Um, I mentioned number 28 was always one I had a fondness for, simply because... Uh, One of my favourites a few years ago, Julian Brellier, always wore that number when he was at Hearts. Um, So we've had a response from a few of you, so we're going to have a quick run through these. Um, Since 1960, says six, is it interesting because we reached Scottish Cup finals in 56, 76, 86, 96 and 2006. Not a bad sequence, apart from 66, which some remember for other reasons, uh, Germany lost the World Cup final, I believe.
1: Um, And 2016 was a bastard.
0: uh, Yes, indeed. Um, It's funny, it's one of these uh, where people look for these sequences, I suppose, in meaning, I guess. um, Are you superstitious at all, or read into these things when it comes to football?
1: Sometimes I'm superstitious. Um, Just weird things. Again, I think everyone who's got superstitions doesn't know why they have them, but I like, think if you do something two or three times and you always get the same positive result, you you think stupidly that if you keep doing it, that result will always happen. It's a nonsense, but yeah, just left sock before right sock and all that bollocks.
0: Flitch says... A date, the 29th of October 1983, uh, my oldest son was born and we beat St. Johnston at Tyne Castle 2-0 with two John Robertson's goals. I have a photo in one of my heart's books showing Robbo scoring that day just to remind me of, and my son of a special occasion. That's very nice. It's, it's very fitting. Um, and I think when your daughter was born, Mark, was that just after we lost to Ibs?
1: Yeah, but she was born 2 minutes after the final whistle, so she went ages before Hearts <laughs> lost to Hibs.
0: Okay. Not not quite got this not quite as poignant a moment as you would hope, but I guess yeah. You you had it, you had your kid and stuff, so that that, that still counts.
1: Yeah, um, I mean uh, the, the big decisions to be made did the, the nurse says you want to cut the umbilical cord and I'm like Yeah, I want to find out the full-time score for <laughs> No, nah, you can think it just don't say it. Oh, can you imagine? Can you Imagine what the <laughs> missus would have said? Uh, excuse me, sir. Would you like to cut the umbilical cord now? Yeah, just hold on, love. I just want to find out. I just want to find out what the heart score was. <laughs> Gee was. Oh, has anyone ever been divorced in a delivery room before?
0: I don't want to put that one there. It was homework. I would hope there's not too many responses to. <laughs> um, yeah right. Gordon Sarkis says four for his number. Elvis's number he was my hero when I first got my season ticket played like a lion heart every time with limited ability and have everything for the shirt yes we know how it ended but I still love him and as I do as well big 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 fan of Elvis when it comes to his time at hearts despite what many people feel because of where he ended up
1: limited limited ability is an interesting one I would say got more than limited ability I thought it thought he, he wasn't brilliant but he, he wasn't limited ability he was better than that I know what the guy was saying. I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, like, you you show me someone that's never made a mistake, and I'll show you a liar. We've all made. I mean, he did what he did, but for for his contribution to Hearts, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't find anybody when he was at the club who was more passionate about defending that club, defending his teammates. uh, He was a proper leader.
0: Indeed. Um, I I think maybe what we're looking at is, and I I know where you're coming from as well here, is that sometimes defending um, and certain abilities like being able to read the game and head the ball and stuff are often maybe not appreciated as much as being able to skillfully take on a player or... Play intricate passes. Uh, you know, I think maybe limited technical ability would possibly be what we're looking at. But I think as a maybe. defender, as a defender, he was he was brilliant as and as yeah. a leader, especially. War number four, most of the time at Hearts. But if you remember rightly, he was a fool when he first came. Um, yeah, he wore
1: number two, and he had that floppy blonde hair. Yeah. Um, there's the. I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I vividly remember um, one of his early. Uh, individual photos that, that he got taken on team photo day, uh, with the long kind of, I think he had a middle parting with the, the blonde hair, wearing mm-hmm. number two. That was the uh, now, what would have been the sponsor of that jersey?
0: Strongbow. Uh, was I after,
1: think. Was it still? I thought it was Strongbow, still Strongbow. It was, it
0: was, I, Strongbow for, it was quite yeah, a while, yeah. I
1: think, I think it was with the, with the collar. He wore the collar and then he had the V-neck and and, and whatever. Yeah, I've, I've got fond memories of, of of him as a leader, and I think he he played a big part in in Andy Webster's. Rapid progress. Andy Definitely. Webster was always yeah. a, a super kid, but Andy Webster was a, a, a better player quicker because of Stephen Presley.
0: Definitely. Fully agree. Mike Bradley says, my number has always been 37. It was the year that Colchester United were formed and since I was born in Colchester I've held that number dear to me though 51 comes close with hearts. Hashtag never let them forget. Malk Jambo says 32. Uh, scored in my first derby in eighty three. Uh Alan Trotter Hearts is ninety-eight, no explanation needed. Number is sixteen. That was Keane's number and I played the same position, so wore it. Um that'll be in Did reference. you play the
1: same position as well as Roy Keane? Were you as angry <laughs> as Roy Keane? As snarky as Roy Keane.
0: <laughs> Alan Alan Trotter, were you as Basically, were you a dirty bastard? Is I think what we're maybe asking.
1: I hope I hope Alan's friends had something a little bit more original than Rodney. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe Alan got called Dave or something <laughs> like that. But I, let us know, Alan.
0: Uh, German Hearts just just replied with a date, twenty eighth O two, nineteen eighty nine. You know what that, that was?
1: Was Bayern
0: Munich. Indeed, Heart of the 1, Bayern Munich nil. Tuesday, the 28th of February 1989, in front of over 26,000 at Tyne Castle. Mm. Ian Ferguson with the goal, of course, a very significant remember
1: Remember hit. it well. The free kick was moved. The free kick was moved mm-hmm. more infield. Yep. Um, it was a stunning free kick past Ryman Alman uh, in the, the Bayern goal. <laughs> Hearts could find a fortune that day because Wallace. Um, tried to do some deal or whatever personally like, with German TV or, or or something like that, and then I think they appealed the fine and they they got fined even more. I was speaking to his son Ian about that Ian Mercer, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one of Wallace's finest finest hours. Uh, that was that was a great run um, because we had St Patrick's in the first round, uh, Austria Vienna with the most offside goal ever in the Prater Stadium which Ewan Murray somehow was there recently uh, of the Guardian, the Big Hearts
0: yeah, fan. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah.
1: Posted a picture so I responded with the link to the goal. It's always good to watch from time to time and you realise...
0: The massively then, offside goal.
1: Uh, oh my God, Walter Kidd. There's a great ball in from, from Kidd. Um, then in the third round, I think it was Vélez Mostar, and we had a good win against them, and and Bayern came as well. It would have been Napoli in the semi-final because that's who Bayern played. The second leg, I wasn't there. Um, I was I mean, I was, what, 12 years old at the time, so probably a bit young or maybe had school the next again day, so I didn't go to, to Munich. I know a few people who went, and Colhoun had that wonderful chance, McPherson had that chance, uh, but no, it was, it was certainly decent. Uh, just, just to keep you updated with, with regards to what's going on here, there's a lot of noise behind. <laughs> the gates will open ahead of Game 2 in about five minutes' time, so they always have the music just before that, uh, so that's why there's music in the background, so... Uh, Just if you wonder what the hell you're tuned into. uh, Scarves around the funnel on tour.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Um, Quickly go through some more because we don't want to... We can put up with a bit of background uh, noise, but not too much. Um, Scott Coburn says, Two, is that still the number of points you get for a league win? Improved on Sunday, but equally Rangers played into our hands like a few other teams. Proof is in the pudding of the forthcoming games. Hopefully the next number is six out of six. Let's see what else we got. Sam Ors is thirty-four, always wanted the number plate H34RTS. Uh, someone must have it somewhere.
1: You know, you know, you know what's, you know sorry, like you know what's weird, how expensive personalised number plates are in the UK. You don't realise it at the time until you come over here, and someone said to me, "Have you got a vanity plate?" I was like, a "What?" Thinking it was some sort of mirror or something <laughs> that women have to do their makeup. Because no, a vanity plate. I was like, "You, you mean a personalised number plate?" Um, I said. Yeah. Uh, how much are they thinking you know, of? Thousands or whatever. They're ninety-two dollars over
0: here. Really? Like, what minute?
1: Yeah. Ninety-two dollars.
0: I, I have one. So. <laughs>
1: I had yeah, I had one in the UK. It wasn't anything special. Uh, I wasn't, wasn't paying something ridiculous for for that. But over here, I've got one. And um, let's let's just say I'm I'm not going to give out my number plate of my car on air. Um, but it is a little nod. To what happened at Hamden in 2012? Yep. It cost me ninety-two dollars, <laughs> and no one over here has a damn clue. But every every time uh, every time I see it, I can it just it just reminds me and all it cost. I uh, got eight dollars change of a hundred dollar note.
0: I I have one which has a reference to 2012 as well. And it's not an overly pricey one. It was only a uh, two hundred fifty quid, I think.
1: That's all right. It's not too bad. It's re- it's when you get the silly ones that are four figures. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, you, you can get six figures and above. You can get oh, mental wow. ones.
1: Anyway. But every, everything's 92 over here. I think, certainly in Connecticut. I can't speak for other states. But, it's yeah, it's, if it's not taken... And you can have 50 different um, like fifty different states all with the same number plate in each state. But it, because it's it belongs to Connecticut, I could have the same number plate down here. and It wouldn't be a problem. It's not like it's the whole country. It's just per state.
0: Craig Morris just replied with a number. 22 which, of course, is another very significant hearts number, given that incredible run, which um, I didn't really catch. I wasn't really going to games back then, but, of course, we all know it very well. I remember the
1: 21st game. That was the Wayne Foster game. Um, the, the, the one that did us, I think, Gordon Hunter scored at Tynecastle. Uh, I can't remember if it was a smash and grab. I think we had most of the ball that day. But just the, the, the whole run was incredible. When you, when you look back, the record that some of these players like Gary Mackay, John Robertson's Edinburgh Derby record was scary um, Gary Locke I believe goodness, that's a weird song. Gary Locke had a good uh, Derby record and I think Craig Levine did as well
0: yes sorry I'm, I'm just trying to pick up what songs are getting played now behind Mark right,
1: this is this is like I think we're in 1986 we had Nicole Scherzinger singing the National I don't know who it is tonight she sang it last night my God, that girl's got pipes. Can I give you some homework? Um Interjected yes. into our numbers. Yes, go. So obviously we're, up, we're on the road this week and we'll probably get shut down quickly because of this background noise. So here's your homework. And it's simply the best um, sporting event you've been at or your favourite. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It's your favourite, but it's not allowed to be football. Oh. So earlier, to, earlier okay. today, um, I went to the Astrodome in Houston, which has not been in operation for over 10 years. And sadly, it's a shell of a place now. Um, but we did get access, we filmed a little piece there, because that was the site of my first ever baseball game, my Major League Baseball game in 1995. I went to the Astrodome, uh, and I went back this morning just to film a little piece. Obviously, today I'm at the World Series. Um, a lot of people who listen to this will have been to different sporting events that is not football. Just quite simply, what, what's your favourite non-football sporting event that you have attended? Um, and if you've managed to, to wear a Hearts jersey or a scarf to, that even better, but what, what would be your one, Laurie? What would be your favourite <laughs> non-footballing sporting event you've uh, you've been at?
0: Um, I I don't really tend to go. I, I'm quite narrow-minded when it comes to sport. I have to confess. Um, d- does the horse racing count? Yeah, yeah, Musselburgh. <laughs> oh. Yes, I got go the races at Musselburgh. Um, I actually, other than the horse racing, I I can't even think of another sporting event I've been to that's not football.
1: Never go and see Scotland at rugby?
0: I hate rugby. Uh... Oh, Jesus.
1: This is a great idea, isn't
0: it? Uh, Sorry, I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, there's your homework. Uh, Favourite non-football sporting event for our football related podcast. Um... Don't be a dick. (laughs) It's hard. Oh, don't go there, actually, that was...
1: (laughs) okay right well, honestly we're, we're not far from the mexican border so there really is a cross of kind of cultures here and th- this is uh, this is not one i've heard before this is a back of the rack classic this one
0: right we're we're gonna probably have to rack this uh, rack rack wrap this back up of the rack. because um in a couple of minutes uh mark's gonna be uh, even more inundated oh, noise and commotion so heart stick on livingston this weekend um A team that in four games last season at Hearts managed to score one goal Um, and of course away at Livingston last winter uh, was one of the worst Hearts matches um, I've witnessed in many years or possibly ever when they lost 5-0. It was obviously a horrendous game in the end. It's going to be a tough one. They're a very difficult team to play against especially in West Lothian um, and that was shown by the fact Celtic went there and got probably well beaten really in the end, 2-0. This is going to be a test, and a very different test.
1: No excuses. Uh, I want to see a performance. If that performance doesn't merit a result, well, at least there's a performance there. But I don't want um, to see the insipid performances we've seen this season. I don't want a repeat of what we saw the last time. And I don't want players who can get themselves up for a Rangers game to not be able to get themselves up for a Livingston game. Over to you, boys.
0: Well, let's hope... Um, Harts can hit a home run this weekend, and when they're ah. fumbling around in West Lothian, they can make it past first base. That came to me just now. Uh, um, the, the, if you he, if stopped after the
1: first one, you would have done well. The second one was rubbish.
0: I know. I thought I'd push my luck a bit. Um, the first so... one
1: you were batting above your average. The second one, <laughs> oh, no, you, okay. were, you were okay. struck out. Okay. Okay.
0: Three, three of those you get, isn't it? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but um, and by the way, I mean, I'm. Um, why why can't i plug my own show um every every world series game is on bt sport and prior to that caps off is the show that we do so why don't you tune in and laugh at me you'll see where i am we fly to washington tomorrow because game three is on thursday and now the music is getting louder the fans are about to enter so i will bid you adieu from houston
0: thank you very much for joining us i am getting a message from my girlfriend in the other room saying Can I check that there's no more mice in the house so that she can go to the (laughs) toilet? So I should probably go as well. Um, You should say you're taking the piss. We've we've definitely outstayed our welcome now. Uh, So from Mark in Houston at the World Series and from me in my apparently rodent-infested flat. It's it's not really. (laughs) It's not really. It's the cat's fault. Um, In Musselburgh, we'll bid you farewell. We'll be back next week to discuss Livingston Against Hearts and your favourite non-football sporting events. Until then, goodbye.